What's going on, podcast world, podcast family? We're back with another episode of the Church Voice Podcast. I'm Spencer Davis here with my co-host. Tyler Rhodes, what up? And a very incredibly special guest this week. Well, I mean, you know, but no, he's a super special guest. We've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while now. We have, um, yeah. And he's actually here in the flesh, real time. We've got Pastor Danny Rhodes here with us. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> That's perfect. That's, That's perfect. Um, but we're going to have a conversation today. I'm, I'm super excited about this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, as always, our our mission here, our, our vision, our goal is building the body of Christ through a variety of voices. And of course, we do that through church history and and historical voices and how they how they can help us better live like Jesus today and we are completely sponsored supported and recorded you got to stop staring at me you're making me nervous <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Danny's over here staring at me, just so I'm like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we are we are sponsored, supported, and recorded at Christian Center Church, 5:30 East Ireland Road, South Bend, Indiana. Um, check us out at ChristianCenter.org. All right, got to get through all the formalities, right? Um, but how are you guys doing? Yeah, doing good, doing good. We're getting ready for Dad over here to preach tonight. Yeah, he's uh. I word. almost shut down C Kids. I was just, I was just gonna say, hey, there's no C Kids tonight. We got a special yeah. See, I scheduled Right to Life Michiana to come tonight, oh. and they're they're giving a presentation. I was like, darn, yeah. man. All right, so you're not you're not gonna be in the service though. Mm-mm. Got you. No, got you. Which I'm kind of glad I'm not because this is a good segue into his bio. Yeah. That um, if I was upstairs, he would find a way to use me in an illustration. True that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's why I had you. Yeah. From like three years the old whole point. to 19, every Sunday I was an illustration. Yeah. It was awful. He's been the woman at the well. Yeah. He's been Isaac. I can't tell you how many times I was Jairus's daughter. Yeah. They would carry me in the sanctuary dead. I'm like, that's not even how the story <laughs> happened. <laughs> I read the story when I got over. I'm like, nobody carried her anywhere. <laughs> this is not accurate. <laughs> Bring him in. Bring him in. <laughs> Yeah. They don't have to get up and be happy and run back out. Yeah. It's terrible. That's hilarious. I remember one time you uh, you were talking about sin. You called me out of youth upstairs down into the sanctuary to be an illustration for your sermon. And you were talking about, <laughs> he was talking about bad choices in sin. And he held this big bag of water in a Ziploc bag over yeah. my head. Yeah. Did he stick pencils in it? He He stuck a, no, he stuck a toothpick in it, but then pulled it out. So it starts dripping on my head. He was like, that's when you make a bad choice, that's what happens. Oh, he said, okay. then you make another bad choice, poke yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and it was just a little steady stream. Uh-huh. And he kept poking it till the whole thing. <laughs> it was an entire big gallon Ziploc bag of water. The whole thing poured all out all over me. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I just stood there and took it. Yeah. It's hey, wrong. That's, that's what you didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, what that's, what that's what it's for. That's what it's for. So dad is the um, senior pastor at Restoration Church. Cedartown, a uh, church plant that's over two years old, coming up on, oh, right at two years old? Yeah. So we wanted to give you a chance to shout them out, share the vision. None of them are listening. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, we've actually got a good following from from people in that area. So we want to give you a chance to shout them out. Absolutely. What's up, RCC? That's my people. That's right. Hey, (laughs) shout them out. Shout them out. Whenever uh, God started dealing with us about starting a church, it was all about restoration. 
And, um, and that was the, the purpose statement that he gave us was to see the bruised, the broken, the betrayed restored mm. to complete wholeness in Christ. And then, um, I don't know, about three or four weeks in, I had a lady in our church and, um, she said, Pastor, you know, I was thinking about our mission statement and it's not complete. I said, well, complete it for me. She said, and to be a safe place for people to heal. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool because yeah. it's one thing to say, we want you if you're bruised, broken, and betrayed. It's another thing to say, we won't judge you through the process. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. We'll love you anyhow. It's critical. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, we know you're a listener. We know you're not even close to caught up right. <laughs> on the episodes. <laughs> no, you were uh, you were one of our 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 biggest critics in the beginning when we first started this yeah you know, it was before like before it became yeah what before it, was it became now. what it is mm-hmm. now i rem- i remember it like because you told me you didn't mm-hmm. tell me he told me it was I like did. hey you guys you guys aren't doing very good on the yeah. podcast yeah a direct but, quote was he goes you guys are trash yeah i wasn't gonna say it. i wasn't gonna say the trash part but he said we were That's trash the truth. And so, uh, so I know that you've been listening lately, and and the opinion has changed a little bit. Yeah, you guys are doing awesome. I love yeah. the concept of thinking, pulling back from resources. Yeah, of uh, of quotes and ideas, thoughts, concepts of how folks of what they've said, how they have saw life in Christ. Yeah, and it's so cool to bring those things back up and make them relevant for today. Yeah. So that we can we can build off of of what other folks have already learned yep. and lived yep. and been successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate you listening, man. But I think that's a good segue into um, our topic for today, because uh, we're going to talk about we're not going to so much focus on the quote itself, because this was this was more of a personal conversation for me. But I'll let Pastor Tyler, I'll let you kind of introduce the individual and then introduce the the quote and then um, and then I'll kind of open up the conversation from there. Yeah, so this is our first repeat. Yeah, this is the first person we've. Talked I knew about he'd be twice. the first person we repeat too. I, I, I think mean, like we said that. Yeah, it was a given. Yeah, it was a given. Yeah, yeah. So we are bringing it back around to the uh, the first historical figure um, that we ever talked about yeah. on this iteration. Go back of the to church. episode one, guys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, C. H. Spurgeon. That's right. Is uh, who we're going to talk about, and so we already gave a bio about him on that first episode. But um, I wanted to give a little bit more of one because C.H. Spurgeon, there's so much. so much so much you could say. I guess if somebody doesn't know C.H., we're talking about Charles Spurgeon. Um, but he was an English particular Baptist preacher. And he actually, I didn't know this. Actually, all of this I'm about to say, I didn't know. Yeah. So hopefully people will find this interesting about Charles Spurgeon. But he became preaching as a teenager and actually um, had his first pastorate as a teenager. Mm. And uh, his energy, passion, harmonious voice, and the maturity of his messages uh, quickly garnered him quite the reputation to where his first little pastorate was in this in the middle of nowhere, and it was always a packed house. It didn't it didn't take long uh, for that to happen. So the New Park Street Chapel in London, which is a historic Baptist church, actually caught wind of Charles and the reputation that he was garnering. And um, so with his with his preaching ability and his oration skills, they actually invited him to preach there, still as a teenager. Mm. 
And uh, the congregation was 232, which back then is huge. Yeah, <laughs> huge. That's a lot. So uh, they were so impressed after he preached that they voted to keep him there to preach to them for the next six months, and he never left. He actually ended up pastoring there 38 years. Wow. Um, So just a really, really cool, really cool way that he kind of came in because we talked about him pastoring that church for so long. I didn't know how he did that, though. I didn't know that it happened that way. Um, And another thing we kind of talked about last time but that I wanted to hit on again and a little bit more was how controversial he was. Yeah. Like we look back at Spurgeon now and we're like, oh man, he's the prince of preachers. And oh, he's, I've got a Charles Spurgeon study Bible. I love, I love the thing. I got his biographies. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, and it's amazing. We look back and we honor him so much, but he wasn't honored like that in his own time mm. um, because he would take hard stances on hot button issues like slavery. He was against slavery. Uh, He was against modernism. He was against uh, liberal scholarship, meaning there was like a wave of Christians at this time who stopped believing the Bible was inspired, Mm. that they believed that it was errant. Yeah. Um, And he took a very, very hard stance. He said, when you, (laughs) this was crazy, this is crazy. He's in a good way. He said, when you downgrade the scripture from inerrant to errant, you downgrade our faith. Mm. You downgrade our faith. It's true. Um, Ultimately, you're downgrading God. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. And that's what he was saying, and that's why he got in so much trouble. Yeah. Uh, he would he would come out hard against ritualism. Uh, he would come out hard against hypocrisy. And he, I didn't know this part either, but he spoke out of, against so many things with with such vigor that his own denomination actually censored him to where the last sermon he preached was six months before he died. Wow. And um, so, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to hear a man we honor so much to look right. back and say his own denomination told him he couldn't preach for them anymore Yeah, because of, of how hard his stances were. Um, and then the, the fun fact, I just, I wanted to share this because even though this isn't necessarily fun, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't necessarily a positive fact, I think it's still something that, that would help people to know this. Charles Spurgeon, often called the Prince of Preachers, he fought with recurring bouts of depression mm. um, all the way up until his death in really? 1892. Really? He, he, he severely fought with depression, mm. which, is, which is incredible. And I don't, again, I don't say that in a positive way. I just mean mind-blowing because nobody would look at Charles Spurgeon and say, Not oh yeah, all. that guy struggled with depression. Not at all. And it just kind of sets it kind of sets us all free in a way because it's like okay if Charles dealt with it, well who am I to not deal with it mm-hmm. and and who am I to to not have struggles? So that's C H Spurgeon. That's the bio that we wanted to share about him. And then I'm going to share the quote that he gave that was kind of his own saying that was partially a quote from Proverbs. Yeah, uh, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. Come on. So Charles, Charles, As a children's pastor. Come there on. you go. Come That's on. it. That's what, you live off that for sure. And and me too. Yeah, and me too. For sure. With the youth sure. group. Um, but this is the way Charles said it. He said, "Train up a child in the way he should go, but make sure you go that way yourself." Mm. It's mm. like talk about hard. Ooh, Bring it yeah. in for a landing, yeah. Charles. Yeah. So um, he was just that way. Yeah. But I know specifically you wanted to interview dad mm-hmm. around the subject of parenting. Yeah. Launching off of that 
the quote from Charles Spurgeon, and I'll add some details here and there. But um, yeah, I want to pass it back to you. Yeah, and uh, definitely and get that rolling. No, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I, I think to hear that in correlation with his productivity and his preaching is is something incredible. You know, and I think that we can all take a little bit of encouragement with that because we've all we all go through our dark nights of the soul, like we've talked mm-hmm. about a ton. Yep, um, Pastor Tyler. You know, we've we've talked about that a lot, and that's you know that that ebb and flow. But we can still preach the gospel. We can yep. still be productive in the kingdom, and we can still do what God called us to do. So I that was encouraging for me. Um, you, but you know, a thought that hit me. I, yeah. I was told some time ago that one of the most vulnerable times for a minister is coming right out of the pulpit. Mm, it's true. Because you just emptied out yourself. Yeah. Yep. And I can just imagine Charles Spurgeon yeah. dealing with the height of what he was dealing with ministry-wise, mm-hmm. but then that secret place that probably his wife only knew about yeah. is where yeah. he could really be real and say, this is what I'm struggling with. That's right. This is what I'm going through. Yeah. And... Yeah. um she was there to walk him through. Mm-hmm. You know, you need those people in your life. Yeah, you do. Amen. We talk about we talk about spiritual warfare going into preaching. Yeah, and somebody who doesn't preach doesn't get it. Like it's it is so heavy. Yeah, to to bring the word of God at all, but especially on a weekly basis. Yeah, like um, like pastors have to do. But we talk a lot about spiritual warfare going into a message. We don't talk enough about it coming out, and that's that's a great point to make. Yeah. And just just to get into our conversation, um, and and this just happened this morning. I'll be honest with you. I had the thought. I knew you. I knew you were here, uh, Pastor Danny, and and I, I had the thought because I, I look at y'all's relationship. You know, you and and and, and Pastor Tyler, um, and I and I admire it and I appreciate it. And and there's so much there's so much value there to me. And and I know that there's a there's a there's a, a lot of years behind that value. There's a lot of investment. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of conversation behind even what I see. It, you know, beyond even what I know about you guys. And so I wanted to I wanted to talk to you. Even I wasn't even going to do it on the podcast, but it was like, hey, this will be a good conversation. But I was going to talk to you just about parenting in general, um, because as a young parent, I. I I find myself in a place where I just I feel like I feel like the hustle and bustle and 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 the working at, you know being being the breadwinner whatever you know that's that's how our house is set up right now and in everything that I'm doing you know I just I feel like I'm having a hard time with you know making the investments that I need to make and I and I feel a lot of pressure on myself um having young boys to, to really make those deposits, you know, but at the same time, they are so young that, that I'm, I'm, I don't know when and how to make those deposits. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm just, so I just had an overall just urgency to talk about parenting because I, I, I just, I value you as, as a man, as a pastor, but also as a parent and as a father. And so I just, I just maybe want you to speak to, um, maybe, maybe a little bit of the specifics on, on raising young children, but then just raising children in general, raising a young man in general, and, and just what that, what that looks like and, and kind of your, your heart behind that. And maybe a little bit of your philosophy behind, behind parenting. Cause I think we all need to know it. Mm -hmm. Cause I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And especially as a father, I didn't I didn't have a father in the home full time. So I, I, I very specifically don't know what I'm doing in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm trying to navigate that. And and so I, I just I, but I realize I've got to get up under some fathers and really and really ask them about this parenting thing in a lot more detail. So I'm, I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, I you know, a couple of things that come to mind. One of them is that's so important, and I had mentioned this earlier. Yeah, that before Tyler was ever born, uh, Mom and I did a video. We're sitting there, and um, I make a statement on the video. I can't help but get choked up about it because yeah. it's it's that important. But um, it was this: your mom and I are called to springboard you into greatness. Um, so it you know. Let me take the pressure off of you a little bit. Taking the pressure off means this. You don't have to do all the investment at one sitting. Yeah. you. It's, it's just like you know, Parker yesterday was taking a graham cracker, putting the whole thing in her mouth. <laughs> we we're trying to teach her, hey, baby, you don't have to eat the thing yeah. all at once. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. we got enough time. You can you can take it bite by bite. So raising those boys, raising those kids are the same way. It's really it's situational. It's, it's what's happening and what's going on mm-hmm. in the moment that's going to be so powerful and valuable and a lesson that can be something you learn for not just the moment, but for a life. Mm-hmm. I, I never will forget, we built a house, and it wasn't very long after we had moved in the house that um, Tyler, he was still pretty young, and um, I'd said, ask him to do something and he just kind of looked at me well my dad was one and done yeah this one time you get asked the second time you're getting up off the floor (laughs) and so i said to him again hey how about this right here and basically he said no so as a result there was punishment that needed to be involved so i took him to our room I laid him across the bed. I laid across the bed beside him. And I said, look, because of disobedience, you deserve the law. But tonight I'm going to teach you about grace. Mm. And so I, I took a few minutes and talked about how that it's unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You deserve the law. We all deserve the law. But because I'm daddy and because I get to choose what you get, mm. I'm going to extend grace to you. Mm-hmm. So let me help you understand how grace works. And so that night I broke down. I was the one crying Yeah, because I realized I taught him something that he could take with him for the rest of his life. Right. It wasn't, it was situational. It was the moment, Yeah, but it was so powerful of a moment that he, it connected and it got him. And that's where we got to live. We got to understand that those, those bites are going to be so important to teach them things that are going to give them character mm. and um, help them to develop and yeah. grow over yeah. the course of time. Yeah. What What was that like for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, really, I mean, because I'm sure that's not the only moment, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, there's so many. There's so many, and I tell you about moments all the all the time. Mm-hmm where, and that's really, and I know there were intentional things that they would do. Like they always, I played a lot of sports growing up and they always valued my sports over the church. Mm. 
not over Jesus, but over the church. So if I had a ball tournament and I was gone on Sunday, not only would I go to the ball tournament, half the time they would be there, that they would miss church, go to that ball tournament. And if they absolutely couldn't be there, they made sure someone in my family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, somebody was there. Mm. And that always meant so much. So I knew that there were intentional things that they decided from the jump. These are non-negotiables. This is how we're going to raise him. But most of the time, the parenting was spontaneous. Yeah. It was just awareness of the moment and what happened. I'll tell you one real quick. When I was 15 years old, they caught me lying. And I remember that, uh, and it was a big lie too. Like it wasn't just like a little old thing. It was a big, big lie. And dad was taking me to school the next day. And I just remember him talking about talking about lying and, and kind of driving that point home. <laughs> And then he was like, just a random conversation about lying yeah, on the way to school. He does. He do, that's what he would. It, so but it son, was, how do you feel about lying? <laughs> it was well, so I feel great, Dad. Exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't lie. <laughs> I I thoroughly enjoyed lying, <laughs> but it was so normal to me to have that. Yeah, that it wasn't weird, even though I knew he was talking about lying because I lied. It wasn't. It wasn't weird. And I remember him saying, and I don't know. I don't know whether you felt the Holy Spirit to tell you to do this or if you just randomly did it, but you just turned the radio on and Adrian Rogers, talk about Baptist preachers, Adrian Rogers came on the radio and he was preaching a sermon on lying. For real? And I'm sitting, I'm thinking, are you kidding me right now? That's deep. <laughs> and he said this quote. So from 15 years old, I heard this quote once and I'm 27 and I can quote it to you. He said, it's better to tell the truth that hurts than heals rather than tell a lie that comforts than kills. Mm. And that that set them so when so when you're intentional about being aware yeah. and taking advantage of the moment, then God says, I'll do you one better. Right, right. <laughs> I'll put a sermon on the radio that's deep. <laughs> that you need to hear. And so that moment, that's part of the reason I'm so way too honest now. Yeah. That quote is always mm -hmm. in the back of my mind mm -hmm. when lying is a temptation. So it's it's moments like that where they just became normal. Right. That I knew I knew he was gonna take time and mom, mm -hmm. I knew they were gonna take time to do those teaching moments. Yeah. And usually it was in the car. It just happened that way a lot. That just you're driving down the road. You can't go nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> you're just you're stuck in the car. Right. Yeah. Shout out to mom. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh mom's a real parent. I uh I just tag along. You had a couple. Of good, you had a couple of good moments here and there. Yeah, yeah. But no, and that's and that's so that's so powerful. And and, mm -hmm. and honestly, even just the, the, this very conversation is is very freeing, even for me. Because I and I think there's such a there's such a pressure, especially as a Christian, to um, and I'm just gonna call it how it's coming to my mind to and in, to indoctrinate. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. like, like there's such a pressure to, okay, we gotta, we gotta read our, you know, we gotta do this, 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 and, and, and check all these boxes and make sure we're reading our Bibles and make sure we're praying and make sure we're doing. So, so like, was, was that a part of the upbringing as well? Or was it, or was it more so just like what Spurgeon says is, is, is living it, you know what I'm saying? Like in finding those moments to live it together or, you know what I mean? Like what was, because I think there's a lot of pressure as young parents to check all those 
doctrinal and devotional boxes. And I think even if we're checking those boxes, we can still miss the moments though. And I, and I, I think that's where I feel like I'm at is like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to check the boxes, but I might be missing the moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's so true. I mean, when you're in ministry, it's 24, seven, 365. Yeah. So yeah, you're living it. Right. Um, so if you're asking me if we had a set time for devotion and a set time for the word, no, it was every day. Right. And so it, that that's what I'm saying. It's those life examples and that lifestyle mm-hmm. that Spurgeon is talking about yeah. that's going to make the difference. It, it's when somebody looks at you, confronts you about you, and how your response is teaching mom should be here. Mom yeah. should be sitting yeah, yeah, in this yeah. chair. Because um, one of the things that she would always get me with, she would say this, you're teaching Tyler how to be a dad. Mm-hmm. You're teaching Tyler how to be a husband. Mm-hmm. You're, how, you're teaching Tyler how life is lived as a minister, as a pastor. Um, and in those, those tremendous ways, man, I'm going to tell you, then she would really get me with our daughter because she would say, you're teaching her the expectations of a boyfriend. Hello. You're teaching her the expectations of a husband. Yeah. You're teaching her the expectations of what it's to be like um, living in, in a ministry family. Yeah. And the expectations right. that are there. That was always so challenging to me. Yeah. And it caused me to pause mm-hmm. before I reacted. In the 70s, there was something that was so cool. There was a um, a parent that would walk up to a baby bed, and the baby would just be screaming its head off, and they would say, do you count to 10 seconds before you pick up your child? Mm-hmm. What they were wanting to do, to do was for you to take a minute and to not react, mm. but to make sure that your actions were pure right. and right, right. right and correct. Yeah. Before you grabbed a hold of that. No, that's that's good. That child and snatched a knot. Yeah. Yeah. In them. Yeah. No, you you pause. You take a moment. And it was so good. That's what it caused me to do. Is it caused me to say, Well, if I react the wrong way, I'm gonna teach them the wrong thing. Then here's where she would really get me. Do you want your granddaughter raised that way? Mm. Now that I have her, oh man! Right, right. I can tell you, he'll get this knot. <laughs> He's across. Don't you talk to my grandbaby yeah, that way. They get right. on to me every time I get on to her. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Graham will say, "Hey, uh, don't don't touch the phone because Daddy said no. Right, <laughs> don't right. touch the remote. Daddy said no. You can't get in trouble in front of Graham." <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't very often especially when I was Reese and Riley's age and even Reese's age that we sat down and like read the scripture. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that a whole lot. As I got older, we did that more and more. Right. Um, But that really wasn't the brunt of it. The word was just always in our conversation. Mm -hmm. Like we just talked about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And and now not to say it wasn't like a hundred percent of the time we could never talk about anything else. Well, I know that. Yeah. (laughs) But it was like, it was like, it just, it always, it always came up and we were always talking about it. So it, it wasn't because different life situations will just bring up in your heart 
different scriptures mm-hmm. or different stories or or whatever it is. And so then him and mom would just they would just take advantage of that and share how it was appropriate. And then like I said, the older I got, the more I don't want to say rigorous, but the more time we spent actually intentional. intentional, Yeah. The more time we actually spent reading the scripture. Like I remember he, one time I woke up and um, the whole family was gone and I I was just there. And I I walk up to um, my bedroom door and there's a paper taped on the door. And I look at it. Martin Luther's. <laughs> yeah. There's 95 theses on there. And it and it it was a it was a letter from him and mom. Mm. And they had wrote how they wanted me to write, I think it was a one or two page paper on sexual immorality. And they gave me the scriptures to look up. <laughs> they gave me the questions to respond to. And I had to I had to write that paper. And and give it back to him, and and I absolutely hated it in the yeah. moment. Yeah. But now I can look back, and I can be I can be grateful for moments like that, because even though they were difficult to hear, they were what I needed. They yeah. were they were what I needed to hear in that moment. So they would do that a lot. I remember one time I told Spencer this a few weeks ago. Um, I was I was preaching for him because he always gave me opportunity. I'm sure that'll come up at some point. Yeah, but he gave me opportunity growing up to preach because I was called to preach it at 13. Mm. Which oh my gosh, that is young. <laughs> yeah, I want to say too young, but Spurgeon. God's the one who decides it, so I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, Spurgeon being a teenager. Yeah, and um, but he also came from a line of of, of preachers. He did and, too. Yeah, pastors. Yep. yep, that's yep. absolutely true. Yeah. And I remember one time I was preaching and the people weren't really responding the way I wanted to. So I went off on them for it. I like, I mean, I like, I mean, it was, I didn't go on for minutes, but I said something harsh and came at him. And dude, when it was over, he lit me up and he didn't let me preach for the next six months. He said, you're not stepping back in my pulpit until you learn how to respect it. Wow. And it was six months until until getting back into it. But I learned from it. Yeah. And I ain't done it again. I'll right, tell you that. Right, right. I hadn't done it again. But it's those kind of moments where he didn't know I was going to do that. Right. But when it happened, bam, mm-hmm. bam, he was ready. And it was always redemptive, even though it was even mm-hmm. though it was hard. I think that that and that's the word I was looking for mm-hmm. was redemptive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love what you said about the grace. I love what you said about that word you just said is redemptive because I think that we get so fixated on discipline. And 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 there is a place because I'm sure that there was plenty of discipline in in the home, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure that it wasn't always the grace conversation laying mm-hmm. on the bed. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But but we get so fixated on on those moments. And I and again, what I'm hearing is that is that there has to be more redemptive moments. There has to be more teachable moments. There has to be more, because again, you just, you you think, okay, this is the way it's done. You just do it this way. And it's like, no, you have to, just like we were, were to walk in the spirit, we have to walk in the spirit with our, with our parenting. And we have to be able to read those moments. And I think right now for me, it's like, and, and, and again, I'm feeling very liberated by the conversation because it takes the pressure off to 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 try to check those boxes and instead use those moments when when 
one when Reese or Riley, you know, Reese is six, Riley is two, you know, those moments when they are receptive and when they are able to receive because, and I, and I'm thinking about it this way, like you almost got to treat them like, like you would a sinner, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to just sit down and like crack the scriptures with, with somebody off. Cause they, they just may not be able to pick up what you're putting down. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I feel like I run into that sometimes because you want to, you want to get these things to them, but at the same time, they're not, they're not going to be able to pick up half the things that I'm trying to say, you know, but again, it's a matter of like, like the quote says, living, living mm-hmm. what I'm, what I'm teaching, living it out, you know, being that, being what I'm what I'm working on right now is just being that calming presence, being, you know, in the middle of conflict, in the middle of you being upset, in the middle of whatever. I'm I'm learning to to take that 10 seconds and and like and stop and say, okay, what what's going on? Just like just try to just try to speak to them instead of speak at them, you know, and talk with them instead of talk at them. And I think that's something that I'm really trying to work on. Um, and it takes a lot. You know, but I think as they get older, I, I I need to make sure really right now and when they get older, I need to make sure that I'm I'm walking in the spirit even even more so that I so that I can read because that was a, the thing in the car. That's that's walking in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? And the spirit gave that confirmation. You know, when you turned on the radio, for whatever reason you turned on the radio, mm-hmm. the, the spirit was there to to confirm that moment and to set a seal on it you know, um, with God's presence. And, and, and obviously that's something that stuck with you for, for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's stepping back and having that and having that moment and really thinking about redemption rather than, r- rather than discipline, you know, because they, <laughs> I mean, truth be told, they are, they are little sinners. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, like we, we should, we should treat them as such. We all have the flesh. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and so like, if we're, if we're constantly in discipline mode, you know what I'm saying? Like how how can they be redeemed? Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like, and I'm not trying to get all deep into this like you know big sphere conversation, but like I feel like that's maybe why we see a lot of people who are who are who walk away from the church and walk because that's what I value the most is that is that number one you you're still walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. you are on your way to ministry, you've got your master's degree. I mean, like, and it's not that all that is what where it's at, mm-hmm. but but the things that you've accomplished in Christ and for the kingdom and and doing what God has called you to do, I see that as so much value because you see so many people walking away from the Mm -hmm. church. And and if you look and if you talk to people, I hear it so much and it pains me. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. But like you hear it because a lot of it's wrong parenting. Mm -hmm. It's not just church hurt. A lot Mm -hmm. of it, a lot of it is just, whether it's spiritual abuse or whether, whatever it is, a lot of it becomes that. And it's, and it's just, we have to be so careful and so cautious of that Mm -hmm. because again, we have to treat them as if they need to be redeemed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if we're, if we're constantly beating them over the head, we don't, we wouldn't do that to the person who's bruised, battered, and broken, walking into, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, walking into what? Sorry, restoration. Restoration. I was gonna mm-hmm. say redemption. <laughs> restoration church. You're not gonna do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they need a place to heal. Right. Our children need a place to heal from this mm-hmm. thing that they've been born into, and that's mm-hmm. and that's sin. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one word that I'm hearing from you is this. 
it's so easy for us to get out of balance. Yeah. Yeah. So staying in balance, staying in check, mm -hmm. understanding the moment, understanding yeah. the season, the epoch yeah. that you're in. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, is this, I, I never will forget, um, Zaxby's is a, is a down South place. Yeah. For, uh, it's kind of like Canes. Yeah, I've been there. But better. Yeah. I've been there once. Yeah. Good oh, yeah. He's once or twice. He, he spent some time in Kentucky. So yeah. 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 All right. Zaxby's is, was created down in Statesboro, Georgia. Well, they built one in Cedartown. And when they first opened up, we uh, we went by there. I meant to get uh, Wimpy as my, as my Zach sauce. But instead of the wimpy sauce, the hot sauce. You're going somewhere with yeah, this, I'm right? Going <laughs> it's like, instead uh, of, uh, we can save this for after the podcast. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast. My favorite meal is at number seven. <laughs> but uh, I, I never will forget. Instead of getting wimpy, they gave me the like the mega hot one. Mm -hmm. And so I get home and I, I'm trying to cool it off with a little bit of ranch. Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm hopping around. I'm jumping around the kitchen. <laughs> Our middle two children, Olivia and Isaac, are sitting at the table. And I mean, I'm hopping around. I'm like, man, this is so hot. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Olivia looks over at Isaac and says, it's okay. Daddy just got a little Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I had to give the explanation that my fire was coming from Zaxby's yeah. sauce instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of the Holy Ghost at the moment. But you, you kind of see how life starts to be lived yeah. outside the church. Right. When we live it uh, with honor to God. Yeah. And so it's, it's important and it's a key. And it starts filtering everywhere of your life. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen with your boys. I believe yeah. that. Yeah, I I truly that. believe that. Yeah. Because it's it's not enough to get them in the house of the Lord, but it's to feed them right. what they can eat outside of the house. Yeah, it's going to produce excellence, amen, and maturity and growth. Yeah, and um, and that's that's where the other thing I'll give just a bite of is this is the word that kept coming to my mind is that if we're not careful, we'll become religious mm. and we'll become a Pharisee. Yeah. And because of being a Pharisee is all about routine and ritual. Yep, yep. And not about relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Christianity is about relationship. Yeah. It's about saying, hey, today I might not get in my 10 chapters, but I might get in that one verse yep. that speaks the course of my life mm -hmm. for today. Yeah. And it's going to be exactly what I need. Yeah. But I didn't get it. Because I just grew up into somebody, it was because it was handed to me yeah. as well. Right. Because my parents loved the Lord mm -hmm. and they served God. So think about this. Think about your grandchildren. Yeah. And the heritage right. that they're going to have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, and I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that encouragement. And uh, and again, I'm just, I just, like third or fourth time, but it's it's a freeing conversation. And mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of parents. If you're if you're a young parent, older parent, whatever, if you, whatever it is, you know, if you're going through conflict, if you're going through just a tough season of parenting, just take a moment. Take a moment, step back and and just see where God wants you to 
to go in the story of your child's redemption. I think that's so I think that's so significant mm -hmm. is is understanding that our children are, are being redeemed just like we are. And um, but yeah, I, I pray that you guys are as encouraged as I am. This was for me today. I ain't gonna yeah. lie to you. This was this was for me. But I appreciate um, you, Pastor Danny, for for just giving your insight and your heart and your input. Um, on parenting and and maybe we can have more conversations in the future but yeah thank you guys so much for listening this week um again pray that you guys were encouraged be sure to follow us on instagram at church voice podcast all one word um and uh we'll see you in the next episode peace out y'all peace <laughs>